Welcome to the FedHeads, a weekly podcast from Grand Thornton Public Sector. Join the FedHeads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode three of FedHeads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. And we are the FedHeads. It's great to be with you again. It's good. This is number three. If we get through this, it'll be a hat trick. Thank you for having me back. (laughs) Data is an important piece of everything that the federal government does. It's something that you counted on at OMB to determine what should stay, what should go. It's something that the Obama administration used for the same purposes. And it's really the core of this administration's reorganization efforts. Is that fair to say? I don't know if it's the core, but it's certainly an important factor. We got to count stuff to know what we've got, how well we're doing, and uh, open data is certainly going to make that a lot easier. Data is the subject of episode three of FedHeads, the Data Foundation and Grant Thornton releasing the State of the Union of Open Data. Adam Hughes of Grant Thornton is here, one of the co-authors. Thank you for joining me. It's great to be here, Francis. Uh, And uh, Hudson Hollister of the Data Foundation is here. It's great to see you, my friend. Thanks for coming in. You too. Great to be here. Um, Hudson, what is the State of the Union of Open Data? The State of the Union of Open Data is strong, Francis. We are excited to report. Yay! Yay, we should applaud, right? Applause going through the room. However, the government is the largest and most complex organization in human history, and to make all of the data available for managers, like those that are working on reorganizing the government, uh, to make it all ubiquitous and freely flowing, there is so much more work to do. So we are optimistic, and we also see a huge challenge ahead. It almost sounds like a government accountability office report. Progress made. More Challenges work remain. To be done. You know, yeah. When I was on Capitol Hill, we used to always say with GAO reports, if if the Republic were to crumble <laughs> and the Marauders were charging down New York Avenue, the last thing to come out of the government would be a GAO report saying challenges remain. Yes. <laughs> Literally, when we were writing the press release for the report, yeah. we were joking about how the press release title sounded like a GAO report title. <laughs> We've all been around town, I think, a little bit too long. <laughs> Poor GAO. <laughs> Whipping boy of the podcast no, today. We love GAO. We love GAO. But Adam Hughes, this is the second year that you've done this. What is the trend line that you see from last year to this year? I, I think it's very positive. Uh, Actually, one of the things I was most heartened by in this report is how optimistic the people are um, who are working in the trenches, so to speak, day in and day out on this are, um, given what Hudson mentioned about how much work there's left to do. Um, I think think it's going in the right direction. I think we're gaining a lot of understanding within the government about what the possibilities are when you have open data, when you have machine-readable formats. so I um, I was very encouraged by by the findings. I think I think your comments at the beginning too, Francis, are important. Which is, this is an issue that spans Democratic and Republican administrations. Um, I think I think that uh, has really become solidified within the government, so that we don't have to devolve into political arguments about whether this is a good idea or not. Um, now it's trying to figure out exactly how to do it and how to make all the pieces fit together. What are the biggest stumbling blocks right now? What's keeping people from posting, getting access to, using the data? Really, open data boils down to two things. You've got to take this information, you've got to standardize it using common formats, and you've got to publish it to the people who need it. And that is very hard. It's hard in any organization because 
usually whoever is producing a particular kind of information or data set is not the same person who needs it to make decisions. We've seen that over and over with spending data. In 2014, Congress passed the Digital Accountability and Transparency Act or Data Act. That's the first big open data reform in our history. And the reason why we needed to have a law was because the people that are in charge of different kinds of spending information are not the same ones that ultimately have to end up using it. We've got accounting information over here. We've got grant and contract details over here. We have payment information way down there. All of that stuff had to be put together in one standard format, made into one unified data set, and then made available to decision makers and also the public. That's very hard. I, I wish our listeners could see the hand. The, very <laughs> the gestures I'm doing for the sake of the room to so motivate the room. Yes. So the disconnect that I'm hearing, though, is potentially very troubling, and that is if the people who are putting the information out are not putting it in, out in such a way that the people who need it to make decisions can digest it and derive inf uh, information from it, ask the data questions so that they can then make decisions, then this is all a moot point. And it mm -hmm. sounds to me like that's the area that there still remains the most work to be done. Am I hearing you right? I think that's right. Government loves reports. Uh, uh, public sector organizations love to do an annual report, a quarterly report. Congress loves even more. Strategic plans. Strategic I mean, plans. They're, they're, GIPRA. There's an entire library dedicated to it that has these things in it that no one ever uses. I was just going to say that <laughs> no one ever reads. No, correct. And there's th that, that's the, just the default way that public sector organizations operate. And all of that comes from a time back when we didn't have data technology data technologies that could bring together information. Now that we have those technologies, the information has got to be produced in a way that those technologies can understand. That's why we need spending information and so much more to be machine-readable. So what do you see are some of the coolest uses being made of the data? And well, by cool, I mean really useful to the American people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're both. They're, they're one and the same, the same thing. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about spending real fast. We now have federal CFOs that are taking the the unified data set of spending that was published under the under the data act and they are using that information to automatically show when congress appropriates funds you can take that appropriation and you can see which accounts which expenditure accounts that flows into and you can see which grants and contracts those accounts fund and you can place those on a map so you can automatically take a particular congressional appropriation and without any kind of manual labor, no copying and pasting, no plotting, you can automatically put all that up showing the geographic impact of that appropriation. I think that's pretty cool. I also think that's pretty transparent. One of the other things I was going to mention, we highlight this in the report, is um, we're starting to see a lot more intersection between private sector organizations and governments now that their data is open and accessible, they're able to actually use them in on the same platform. So we talk about Yelp in the report, where they were able. I think most folks are familiar with Yelp, you know, neighborhood restaurant mm -hmm. recommendations, reviews. Um, they were able to work to uh, to grab uh, restaurant inspection data, um, government data that showed which restaurants had been inspections, which one had passed, which one had not, and integrate that into their interface on Yelp, so that people, when they're looking up a restaurant on Yelp 
not only get what other folks think about how good the food is and how fast the bartender got their drink out, but they also get to see government information about how well the restaurant is complying with uh, regulations and other health standards that is required by the government. And that's the point of open data. Once it is standardized and published, it can flow freely and it can wind up in the places where it's needed, the places where it's useful. Instead of being buried down deep in some report where someone has to go affirmatively, intentionally search for it in order to find it. This is exactly what Vivek Kundra talked about when he talked about freeing the data at the very beginning of the Obama administration, isn't it? That this was kind of the vision that he laid out that we're now seeing come to fruition, it sounds like. I, I generally would agree with that, although I don't think that he, he – Vivek is fantastic. I, I thought he was did a wonderful job. But I'm not sure he really – thought through to the end about all the different ways that this is going to play out once we actually nor could we possibly no imagine. certainly not well, and yeah I, I don't think a lot, i don't think anybody really understood or, or could foretell all of the ways that people might want to use the information and that's kind of the reason that i asked the question in that way uh, or presented this idea this way because we don't know what this sphere will look like five years from now do we no i i think i think we're going to see too one as we transition and as it becomes more of the standard it's no longer going to be taking um, uh, data sets and information that was built in a non-open data world and converting it. It's going to be building services from scratch that that utilize the advantages of having standardized data sets and open data. And that should be good, not just for the way the government manages itself, but for accountability and trust that Americans can place in their government. The reason is this. If the information that the government is producing starts out as open, the whole process is visible to the public as long as you don't you, of course we're exempting uh, confidential information national security information but most of it is not that sensitive most information can just start out in the open and go through the whole life cycle in the open and that means that public servants and the people they serve will be able to see the same data set that means shared trust in a way that hasn't ever existed before this sort of thing is exactly your bag hudson we've talked about the data i've got a lot of bags on a number of <laughs> Well, maybe you should bring them all next time, and we can have that as part of the Are you program. saying Hudson has baggage? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, no so much. He, well, he's the one that brought out the Back on topic. Issue. Back on topic. Come on, let's go. At any rate, um, this is, you've talked about the Data Act pretty extensively. You and I have discussed it on a number of occasions. Is, this, is what you're seeing now and what you find in this report, you and Adam, is this happening because agencies have decided – this is important. We get good information from doing this, and we make better decisions from doing this. Or is this happening because they have to be compliant with the Data Act, other mandates, and so on, and they're doing this because they had to, and they're kind of being dragged to it? I know of some agencies that I would say are being dragged. I also know of some agencies that I would say are proactively pursuing the future of their information. It's really a combo of both. The whole government needs to move forward to modernize the way that it generates and collects information. Sometimes mandates are needed. Whenever you need to move something as big as our federal government is, there's got to be some kind of mandate involved. Otherwise, it bogs down. And if the, conversely, if there's no grassroots support from the people whose job it actually is, the ones whose jobs are made harder by doing this, then of course, no mandate can get it done. What's next for open data? Well, I think the Data Act has to be fully implemented beginning in May 2018. That's the first time that we're going to see a full year's worth of spending data all in that one unified data set. Two quarters after that, we're going to have the first full fiscal year. And so the community of practice using standardized spending data is going to continue to mature. Those applications, like putting all the grants and contracts from a particular appropriation on a map, those are going to continue. 
we so, talking so how how reliable is that data is it trustworthy are there flaws in it what can you tell us about the there are definitely flaws robert it is not perfect the question is whether it's useful the question is whether it can show policymakers things they didn't see before and we've got gone through this a bit with ig reports there are some ig standards that say if even one data field is off then we're going to count the whole thing as wrong i don't think that's the right standard the right standard is can we use this to give insights to policymakers and the public can we use this to support analytics the answer to that is definitely yes i think robert it's also important to realize that as you open up data sets and as you get more eyeballs on it you're going to improve the quality of the data over time you're going to find mistakes but you're going to be able to correct those as you move forward. So instead of having a small number of people who have access to the data and don't have the resources or time to review it, you're opening it up to a host of organizations and individuals who can do some fact-checking, who can make sure that they're trying to keep the accuracy of the data set on, on an upward trajectory. And as time goes on, because of the standardization efforts that Hudson's talked about and so on, and technological advances, and the fact that this information is being created now in a digital environment, it seems to me logical to assume that moving forward in the future, the data becomes more and more reliable over time just for those reasons. Is I think, that fair? I, that's, I think it would be hard to argue with that. Just as uh, whenever you put anything into a network, the network effect happens when there is more and more content that's available in that environment on that network. We will see the network effect with government data. Imagine as we add to this basic spending data set, as we add performance data, as we add checkbook-level payment data, as we add program-specific things that agencies are handling and reporting for their day jobs, all of that becomes one data set. All of it becomes ubiquitously flowing. All of it becomes instantly accessible, more and more valuable as more sectors get added. So final thought, um, I think a potential risk here is that as more people become data experts and data facilitators in the government, that there becomes a data silo where people start to assume, well, this belongs to the data people. Who are the stakeholders that should be keeping tabs on all of this as time goes on inside the agencies so that that doesn't happen? Adam? In some ways, I think... Grant Thornton, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Shameless plug. I think that's maybe in my job description. Um, I I think uh, on some level, it's, it's, it's starting to become everyone. Um, you know, we, we focus a lot on spending data in this conversation, but there's a host of other uh, data sets within the government that are related to spending but not actually spending data that they have a host of stakeholders both inside of agencies and outside um, who are going to be using and interacting with the data as, it, as the, the sets continue to be opened up. Um, so I, I wouldn't want to cut off anyone by saying that you're you don't have to worry about this because you're not in charge of the data. I think improving government management and efficiency, you have to interact, like Robert said at the top, you have to interact with data to understand what's going on. Um, so anyone that's working in government, anyone that's managing programs or is looking to get better outcomes, they really need to be involved in understanding data um, and using the data that's available. Hudson? Most of the data sets that we're working on uh, have somebody who's in charge of collecting or generating them. And all of those jobs are shifting, I would say, from being document-centric to being data-centric. Uh, some of the, the most forward-thinking CFOs in the federal government, for instance, are, are, are beginning to collect and generate spending information natively as data in the first place. And they don't shuffle papers. Instead, they are busy with visualization tools. The same ha- will happen with program managers. The same will happen with the heads of regulatory programs. The uh, report goes into compliance data and turning that into uh, turning compliance reports into open data quite a bit. The same happens for professionals who are handling any particular 
domain of the government's information. Hudson Hollister, Adam Hughes, thanks very much for joining us. Appreciate it. Congratulations on this report. Robert Shea, thanks as always for joining me on FedHeads. Great to be with you. I'm Francis Rose, and we are the FedHeads. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the FedHeads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector. And don't forget to leave us a comment or a review on the iTunes or Google Play Store.